Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings and welcome in on a Tuesday morning, January 17, 2023. It is 608 in the capital city, 33 degrees and cloudy skies. To start off your day on this uh, Tuesday morning, got a busy show for you. We will talk to Joe Jordan of News Channel Nebraska. Uh, We will talk with Jason Ball of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. We're going to count down the five things that you are talking about today. We've got your sound off with news from around the country and the world. And uh, we are all set here to get you ready for your Tuesday morning and what looks like it still may be. Uh, and an interesting, impactful weather week in and around the capital city and for sure for the state. Now, we continue to have a situation where it feels like uh, things are in a lot of flux with this forecast. Uh, and it, it's just going to be one of those matters of how early does the snow actually start for how much snow that we are going to get, and that is seems to be varying with every run that these different models and different meteorologists are passing out right now. Uh, I'll, I'll get to Mark here with the latest on, on what we do know about this, but the timing still looks the same. There's going to be precipitation starting in the state tonight, and then we should see it in Lincoln in the early hours of the morning tomorrow may actually start as snow then change over to that wintry mix as the temperatures go up a bit uh, perhaps some icing that goes with that and then changing back to snow but what time does it change back to snow and that's going to give us a real indication of the exact snow totals that we're looking at you still have some places who are saying uh, that you've got that three to seven inch range that could include Lincoln. You've got others that are saying more like a trace to four inches. Uh, Mark, what do you have to add to that overview right now? I spoke now? with Dirk Peterson. He's meteorologist, National Weather Service over in Valley about an hour ago. And it was really interesting. He, he you know, we talks about this demarcation line that, and if it wiggles just a little bit, but he says it wiggled a little south overnight. Mm. And thus, uh, we're in now in what they're projecting to be the four to five inch range for Lincoln. Uh, Expecting precip to start about midnight tonight in the Beatrice area. So make sure that you get your uh, your uh, vacation home all bundled. I will and uh, be in here uh, probably around six seven tomorrow morning. Maybe a little before that as it moves to the northeast. Uh, But four to five inches is what he was predicting for Lincoln. But to show you how sharp this uh, contra- uh, this drop-off is going to be, our southeastern Lancaster County may only get two inches. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is why this is when we talk yeah. about steep gradients. This yes. is what we're talking about. That you've got, you know, a county over could could be forecast for six seven inches. Uh, the county adjacent to it could be forecast for a trace to three inches. Right. Right. Even within the county. Yeah. Some significant differences. Now there's still a chance for this thing to wiggle a little north or south. So by afternoon we may have a better uh, chance. Uh, I was watching Channel Eight uh, just briefly this morning and. Malcolm is uh, not quite as robust with the snow forecast. Not quite as bullish on the snow right now? Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the the wiggle of this system is, 
The, the one thing they did uh, that we did discuss is this is very moisture rich. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be wet, heavy snow, or if it moves a little further north, we could have some icing, sleet even, uh, which, of course, is almost worse than the snow. All right, yeah, and, and, and you wonder how that's going to, if that's what's coming down here during the course of the day tomorrow, how that's going to impact what the day looks like. Um, yeah, and, and, and so the, the winter storm, so Lincoln, Lancaster County, and our listening, I think, generally is, our listening area is generally in a, uh, or at least not to the, the southeast of us, they have nothing, but uh, a winter storm watch at this point. Actually, you, southeast of us now had, does have a winter weather do they advisory. Do add, add in an advisory? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah I haven't, I'm looking at an outdated map right now. So, um, it, so like, like you said, we're talking about during the day now tomorrow for precipitation, uh, into the evening. Um, and so the day that's going to be most impactful of, it's a little hard to tell right now if you're thinking about things like, uh, cancellations, changing plans, those sorts yeah. of things. It may be those uh, things late Wednesday could be impacted. It may be that things early Thursday may be impacted. Yeah, the commute on Wednesday afternoon is going to be, the, tomorrow afternoon is going to be the real uh, toughest uh, if this holds up. Uh, we'll just be getting started tomorrow morning with it. Um, but the afternoon, or uh, he was talking about the heaviest snows, probably from 10 in the morning till 2 or 3 in the afternoon, you know, an inch or more an hour. So that, uh, that'll that add up in a hurry. And uh, so the afternoon commute tomorrow may be the toughest. And then it just depends on how fast they can get out and get things yeah. plowed and, and treated. Yeah, the, in terms of the potential of, of looking at my what my kids will ask is is about school. A couple things about that. Yeah, because yesterday, or excuse me, tomorrow, like you said, the impact's going to be later in the day. And so, uh, you know, you don't really know what to do exactly when it comes to that. Is it going to be bad enough by the afternoon that it would justify something like that? Uh, or if you if you do end up getting right, like three, four, five plus inches of snow, Thursday is probably the day where that might be in play. Now, all that said, the last time that school was called off, uh, at least the first day where they did that, it wiggled, pro- probably it wiggled north. probably wish they had that one back yeah. over yeah. Uh, at, at some of the school districts, including LPS. But wasn't the, the next day the, the one that was so bitterly cold? Yeah, that, yeah. One, that one was probably justified yeah. that one was justified but the, the the it was during finals that le- last week before christmas uh the second to last day was one where they definitely they definitely could have had yeah. school now to the north day. of us significantly more snow forecast um six to eleven up around uh, columbus seven to twelve norfolk and uh, albion so nine to fourteen around ord so getting out okay. there in caleb henry country I mean, around Ord, you could have just said near Loop City. <laughs> Ord's basically a suburb of Loop City. Pretty much. Um, Once you get through the uh, Polish Alps. So you, you talked about the <laughs> talked about the uh, heavy moisture content uh, that that comes along with this, which uh, I guess, as as Rusty was saying yesterday, Mark, uh, you know, if you if you don't like the snow, I guess you can take solace in the moisture will be. Uh, a very good thing right now for oh, yeah. anybody who gets it essentially right yeah absolutely so yeah and also uh going to be if you're out there with a with a shovel if you're like me and you don't have a snowblower uh yeah, maybe a little you. bit more strenuous there that one i'll sell you uh all right we'll talk we'll talk we were going to talk <laughs> yesterday but you, you how about i'll trade you one that works great no, it just have, doesn't have a 
pull I have, cord. Right I now. have mine already uh, handled for the year, and you don't have to worry about a pull cord on mine because it's an electric start. Oh, electric start. Okay. Well, calm down with the liberal well, ta- agenda. Jeez, take it. Easy. I guess I liberal <laughs> agenda. It's an old guy agenda. <laughs> I guess I like old-fashioned oil uh, and pull pull cords like like my forefathers used to do it when they ran their snowblower. If you're not running your snowblower with whale oil, then what That's are you right. even doing exactly. in America? Exactly. <laughs> How do you file your taxes on a trade, by the way? <laughs> on, on a trade? Yeah, just the uh, the fair market value income there, I guess, that, that uh, you'd, be, you'd be getting for that situation. So... Uh, anyway, all right. So that's what we've got in terms of uh, in terms of the weather situation. So it's kind of a case of uh, wait and see. And I I will tell you this: I have I am we've had enough of these where they haven't over the last two years where they haven't materialized into a whole lot. That's sort of my default assumption right now is this is going to be uh, less less intense, at least in terms of snowfall totals than than is expected well we'll see i mean that's that's not really how science works nonetheless but we've just been on a big long streak mark for uh like i said the better part of two years where every time this has looked like it's going to happen it really hasn't happened well we got the, the one good part. one last year the what we get six seven inches. we had five total inches last year of snow well, that's right it was yeah. the year before it was two years ago yeah Five total inches during the uh, point during nine. the entire year. Yeah. I can't. I don't know what I'm cheering for exactly. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I. I think I'm cheering. I think I'm cheering against it being real significant. Main thing I don't want is just the the snow cover really lasting around here inter- on the streets and making things cold for a long time. So. Unfortunately, this is the the kind of temperature where. Uh, you know, with with uh, the possibility of some freezing drizzle and that, it's it's hard to put down pretreatment because if you do get the drizzle or the 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 rain, it washes it off, and and so the pretreatment is it's such a this is the toughest stuff to predict. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had one of those deals where you've got like multiple weeks where the residential streets are just you know they're just white with the snow and ice packed down. Uh, that always. The, the, that's always something that I'm glad isn't here, but that that could be for a while because the forecast going forward after this uh, looks like 20s. We're not going to get really back over freezing extensively, uh, really anywhere in the extended forecast. Now that we're going to get bitterly cold, but just highs in the upper 20s, lower 30s for the most part. Although, a little sunshine this weekend might help too. We got some uh, single digit lows next week. Yeah, so. not 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 too bad. Not a not still not a ton to. To complain about with this whole thing so oh, no wait a minute you can complain about it all you want that's not that's a problem. fine that's fine don't take away my Just right to complain positive right. i guess uh all right non-weather news what else do we have uh here this morning coming off the uh, long weekend for some people it's mark a, a quiet quiet yeah. weekend it really quiet, really uh, was holiday. um not much from uh, lincoln police other than we did have that car fire yesterday up north but uh, no injuries there that's that's good a martin luther king rally yesterday we've got had that in the news and uh, probably just anticipation of this weather is yep yep legislature gets back going today uh, again today after after the the break and so uh we'll be getting into more of those uh more of those new bills big article uh, in the uh, journal star this morning on uh, the advisory uh, council 
recommendation on a second water source. Yeah, well, they were saying what, but put something by the Missouri River yeah. and pump it in, essentially, was the recommendation. Yep. South of Omaha would okay. be the entrance down between Omaha and Nebraska City. So, you know, and what they're saying is that if the pipeline comes across, it could also be a feeder for people in Ashland, uh, Greenwood. Those areas are expected to grow. Right. And and, uh, see how. But it was an interesting article. All right. So, uh, so yeah, maybe we'll get into that. And I know we're going to talk about. Maybe fill uh, the lake. When we. Maybe. That's true. Uh, I know when we have Jason in, too, we are going to talk about. Uh, about the situation right now with the changing of the floodplain mm-hmm. here in the capital city, which has been, you know, a little contentious. Uh, yeah, I, that's probably fair. I think, I think there is, um, yeah, there's, there's still a, a, a decent divide there between the developers. I think what the chamber wants to see and what the mayoral administration and some on the city council, um, want to do. And they haven't, well, they've already done Quite, it. Yeah, they, they put it through. Right, the, with that compromise measure. And so uh, there wasn't much of a compromise from the original. Really? Yeah. Well, that's how it was described anyway. Well, yeah, by the people I mean, who were doing it. But the uh the the people that wanted time to to study it further, uh they didn't get much of anything. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh we'll hear the reaction uh after all of that from Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber of Com- Commerce and kind of what the impacts are going to be development-wise going forward with you know with what the the final plan ended up being here with that as well. So, uh we've got all of that going on uh in uh in Nebraska sports news. Um boy, we we learned again uh, a couple of pieces of news from Nebraska football yesterday. First of all, we now have two wide receivers that you thought were definitely gone and done from this program. The portal that, taketh and the right, portal giveth. That right you back. thought were were gone in, in in Xavier Betts and now Isaiah Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, who didn't even finish the season mm-hmm. with just had a, a handful of games before deciding that he wanted to step away from the Nebraska football program. Yeah. Xavier Betts gone this entire year. Um, didn't play football this year both of them looking for new homes maybe they start start fresh start anew mm-hmm. and both of them have decided to get out of the transfer portal and and stay here after essentially taking some time off at Nebraska yeah clean new coaching staff clean slates for everybody on and get everybody on board for it IGC caught the first touchdown of the year yeah, he kind of had we a, go all the way back to Dublin. Yeah, yeah, kind of a, a his best game was probably that that game in Dublin, mm-hmm. and then we didn't hear as much from the rest of the time that he played. Right, at least. And then there were the uh, like the weird Twitter interactions with the, I think his dad. Yeah, that's right. So, like that made it seem like the like oh it's everything was done. definitely done. Um, uh, but but evidently, but new coaching not, so, staff made some inroads with him. Yeah, so you so you've got both of those, and it's. There's plenty of talent in that wide receiver room, and I think that's a thing we've said for a while, but how can you go and, and utilize all of that talent and not just have one guy come in in the transfer portal, have one really good year, Trey Palmer, Samori Toure. Right. Um, can, can you develop some other guys that are going to have big games along the, along the way? You just really haven't seen a whole lot of that. And then you get MJ Sherman, linebacker from uh, Georgia coming in in the portal yeah. as well. He spent most of his time on special teams, but he played in every single game over the last two years. They played won, in the national championship yeah, game? They, they they won two national titles, a former five-star linebacker, didn't play a whole lot of linebacker, but he's a guy who highly touted recruit and still found a way to get on the field. And that's something that 
you're not going to get from everyone who's a highly touted recruit to be like, oh, special teams. That's my only way to get on the field. Right. So that's a guy who, who's going to find a way to make an impact. Maybe that is uh, as a lot of special teams and a little bit of linebacker. Maybe it's a lot of linebacker and no special teams. Right. But that, that's a guy who wants to play football. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it has been an eventful uh, an eventful <laughs> offseason with the roster uh, for, for Nebraska football. Um, yeah, you, you, you do have something. Something every day, and uh, we'll see what today brings. Yeah, with that as well. Yeah, uh, because in in we, I mean, it's so hard. You have to have people that are just dedicated to following what the recruiting is. So I try to follow some other folks who are very very good at it. There's more recruits coming to campus. More guys that that they're trying to f- still finish out the 2023 high school class. Still trying to see if there's someone in the portal they want to add. This team is already 10 over the scholarship limit, so guess what, guys? Between now and August, you will see people leave. Yeah. No, well, yeah, it's just <laughs> there has to be some roster management that yeah. that happens there. Uh, still got another day till uh, Nebraska's basketball teams get going again. Uh, it'll be interesting with the weather situation, what kind of a crowd right. that you get at Pinnacle Bank Arena on Wednesday night with Ohio State coming in and the students still not in class. What so. um what time mark is most of that most of the system supposed to come through? Middle of the day. Middle of the day. Man, I would I'm curious like are they going to keep that same same tip time 6 o'clock in the but evening? I, they're not going I doubt they change anything. I mean, I there have been there have been some pretty bad winter weather situations that they played in in the mm-hmm. past without without really changing anything. Right. So I don't. I would be surprised. You would think Ohio State will get in well before that, so they're going to be already in town. Right. So uh, I I would be surprised if that were impacted. And the women are are getting out of town. Yeah, so. they're headed to West Lafayette, taking on Purdue. All right, so there you go. Uh, all right, we had late NFL last night. If you missed the end of it, uh, Caleb is going to give you the update on that. More with Nebraska sports as well. That's all coming up in his sportscast next. 33 degrees Michael in the Wheeler capital texted me uh, the, early this morning about the uh, point after kicking in the game last night. Uh, yeah, former former uh, Husker had a rough night last night in a winning cause. Hey, Brad, if you win, you win. Right. He, he Fix did. it for next Hey, week. listen. He went one for five uh, on extra points. Like, uh, if you want one for five from three-point range, that'd be, looked at, that'd be looked at as kind of an average game. Yeah, that'd be okay. In a basketball game. So think of it that way. Go I one suppose. for five at the plate in the World Series? Yeah. Around average. Depends on where that one is. Yeah, exactly. I'm, t- I'm glad I'm 10 for 10 on dad jokes. Yeah, you are. It's uh, 626. We'll take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 
A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. 636, welcome back to the show. By the way, I did something that felt like kind of a throwback uh, yesterday. Took a COVID test. Ooh. Negative, still. Negative, just, still. Just because of that cold kind of hanging I, on? Yeah, I thought, you know, maybe it might be best to, uh, to to sort of check just since I'm, you know, hanging out with a lot of people and then they can hear me sniffing and coughing a lot. So I want to be, be sure. No, it is just uh it's just a, it's just a cold. That's hanging on a little bit long, but yes, I am. I'm finding. I forgot that we even had one of the. I had to go searching through the cupboards, and uh-huh. it was our last one. It was our last one. So then I realized you can get. Uh, you can still get four free ones again if you go to the website, and uh, the government has one. Oh so yeah, they'll send them out. I sent. I got. Uh, I got a few more. That are that'll be coming my way. By the way, I'm looking at the uh, the very latest uh, National Weather Service just put out their latest snowfall map. Uh, for the state with this system that's coming through, we talked about extensively here. the The crazy thing is that Lancaster County, I believe, if I, I need a microscope to or a magnifying glass to really see this closely, but I believe if I'm looking at this right, Lancaster County has four different colors <laughs> for snowfall levels in it on this one. Talk about being like on the exact line. Of this whole thing, I think that the very northwest corner of this thing is in the six to eight region, and then uh, then kind of the, the the northwest rest of the northwest quarter of the county is in four to six, uh, and then the majority of like the the a third of the the southwest part of it is in the two to four, uh, and then one to two in the very south southeast corner, I should say, of the whole state. So, a long way of saying we don't know. <laughs> We we don't know at all. They they do have the the graphic for Lincoln does say four to six inches, and then I see ten eleven just put one out that said two to four inches, which which is a significant. I feel like I feel like if you're on you know you know you're on the 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 lower end of two to four inches, mm-hmm. not going to have a major impact. If you're at four to six inches, it probably means Thursday is in play as a potential snow day. It's that feels like kind of a magic number there. Hey, there's a at four, least historically four percent chance in Lincoln of eight inches or more. Four percent chance. All right. So you're telling me there's a chance. There is. I will. I will take the odds that doesn't happen. <laughs> You'll take the under. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll see. Will they? Will they have snow betting at the casino at the uh, at the old warhorse eventually? I, is weather betting a thing? I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that it isn't because you can bet on, uh, you can at least uh, do do bets on like politics and stuff, and I feel like there's yes, more you control. Can. can you bet on the weather? Where uh, on uh, major online sports books? Uh, they'll they'll take. Yeah, you can do it in Vegas. I, wait, I know Rusty. I got an insider. This is great. It's like it's like sports betting if you knew like the team trainer. And had all the insight on the on the injury and, and the condition. I'll just call Rusty and oh and my god, there's so so many of these articles are from 2020, and they're like, "Do you miss sports? Well, you can always gamble on the weather." <laughs> Jeez. All right, so there you go. If you're if you're looking for a, uh, I, I take the under on the snow. A, <laughs> the, I'm taking the under on the snow till I'm proven wrong on these things. 
Uh, all right, let's get into the sound off today. Uh, all right, what are we going to start? We don't have a ton. Wow, we actually we don't have a ton of straight Washington D.C. politics today. I feel like we've I think feel like we've hit like every day for several days the the classified docs thing. So I don't have anything new on that today. Uh, so instead, why don't we? Why don't, well, let's start internationally. This is interesting. So if you if you pull up the list of the world's most populous countries. How many of you guys know this off the top of your head? China. China is number one, okay, okay at 1.4 billion. India is number two at 1.3 billion. This is crazy. Do you, do you realize the drop from those two to the next one, which is the United States? I mean, you probably know the, the population of the United States is around 300, 300 million. million. So, yeah. I mean, you're a billion sh- I mean, you're a billion short of second place there. To, to get to India or China. Well, isn't there, a, there's a like a circle that goes around China and India and Southeast Asia, and isn't that like half the world's population well, or something like that? Because Indonesia is third. Yeah. Indonesia is, th- did you know that? Indonesia is third with 273 million. I don't think I would have done very well on this quiz after I got through the first three. Wow. Um, Pakistan, 220 million. Brazil, 212 million. Nigeria, 206 million. Bangladesh, uh, in that area again, 164 million. Russia, 145 million. And then Mexico comes in at 10th at 128 uh, million. So interesting numbers. But that top spot, because of the way China is trending, Mm -hmm. and they've in the past had birth limits, they're trending so much down in population that they believe that they're going to lose the top spot oh, in, wow. in population. China says its mainland had 850,000 fewer people at the end of 2022 than the previous year. That still leaves a population of 1.41 billion people. But this is the year India is expected to overtake China as the most populous nation on Earth. Chinese men outnumber women by 32 million, a result of the strict one-child policy that only ended in 2016. Some analysts say China now faces a demographic crisis, and government efforts to promote childbirth are so far having little success. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Wow. Um, significant there. Yeah. And uh, and and that cr- that crazy... Uh, imbalance in in gender in China, right? Uh, it, as as well, that's that's crazy. Although although they say although there is some thought that uh, that there's uh, underreporting delayed registration of females that there may be ten to fifteen million missing or uncounted women since 1982 oh, wow. in China with this as well. But son preference is is a it's a it's a traditional uh, patriarchal patriarchal culture mm-hmm. thing in China, uh, essentially. Um, so, in any case, and then you got you know family planning measures that that they talked about that just ended you know less than a decade ago there as well. So interesting, interesting story there. By the way, I had to look. I wondered how far you had to go down before you got. I mean, into to like Western Europe to find any of these countries in that list. Uh, and you go all the way down to, let's see, do, 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 do. You got to go ways down. You got to go down to number 19 till you get to Germany. 
Wow. At at 83 million United Kingdom at 67 million France, 65 million Italy at 60 million. So it's interesting those those kind of the biggest four western European countries are all roughly the same population but they're barely in the top 20 of the most populous <laughs> countries in the uh in the world. So Now now here's the thing. You said the United States it's about a billion less people than India, yeah. right? It's over a yeah, over well, a billion over, over less. A billion. The United States has three times as much land area. Right. Yes. Um, so you can, you can, the, yes. Like that's the fun game in, in that is looking at what's, what's the population per square mile as right. well. The, uh, yeah. So like if you go to like density, um, places like uh, Singapore is way yep. up there yep. uh, because that's a, they've got 700 uh, square kilometers. I'm not going to convert that into miles. They've got 700 square kilometers. Uh, Monaco is actually the densest country of all because they've got uh, one square kilometer and uh, 26,000 people live there. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the densest country. Um, so like, you know, you would think maybe India and China are way up there in terms of that, but you got to go down quite a while. Like South Korea is is more dense than okay. China or India. Netherlands is more dense than either of those countries mm. as well. There's India coming in uh, way down, barely in the. I mean, you got a lot of tiny countries in here, but um, you know, just outside of the the top twenty there mm-hmm. for those things. And the U.S. is way down on on that list. We got some room here. Yeah, we we do. Right. Yeah, largest <laughs> land area. By the way, if you want to do this, this is just kind of fascinating stuff. Land area, Russia has it by a mile. Yeah, it's not even close. Russia sixteen got it. sixteen million square kilometers. That's a uh, six point three uh, million miles. Yes. Okay. And and so that's seven mil, seven million more square kilometers than China has. U.S. is third, Canada's fourth, Brazil fifth, Australia sixth, India seventh. In uh, in terms of that list, the most actual land that you've got in those places. So. Anyway, some fascinating world trivia there. Uh, gas prices, uh, guys, guys, thought these were going down. Huh? <laughs> thought these were go. I passed the one that I one of them that I passed going into work. I noticed it yesterday. I didn't see it today, but it was at three eighteen again, Caleb. Three, I only saw three oh nine yesterday. I saw three eighteen. Maybe they were just really overpriced, uh, but things are going back up again. The average price of a gallon of gas in the U.S. is now $3.30. That is exactly the same as it was one year ago. So good news on gas prices, not such good news on other refined products like jet fuel. That's up 42% year over year. Also, home heating oil in Pennsylvania alone up 36% year over year. And further bad news, Goldman Sachs now says they are forecasting the price of Brent crude oil to be as high as $110 a barrel by the end of the year. In Philadelphia, I'm Jeff Locke, Fox News. So, yeah, that's um, so even if you're not seeing it as much going forward, uh, in in 2023, presuming it'll trend a little bit of a different way than it did last year, uh, but regardless, those home heating bills are are going up significantly mm-hmm. as well. You're going to get a little sticker shock on those this year. Yeah, so that's maybe, maybe, maybe listen to old dad here and let's set that thermostat at night at like 62, huh? Let's do that. Yeah, we're pretty close to that. That's uh, that's that's what I want to go with. I think we're at 65. I get a little blowback 66. from the family when I do that. Um, 
Yeah, and by the way, I I mean I, I remember too because it was last March we went on a it was when we took our big driving trip down uh down to Texas during spring break and that was like right when they were jumping up big time. Uh, was in March of last year, February into March of last year, because we people were saying, and we were saying, like, oh, well, a heck of a time to schedule the longest driving trip our family's ever going to take. Uh, but at that time, when we thought it was really bad, it was, you know, 360, those sorts of things. And we had a ways to go in 2022. Uh, so so uh, maybe, maybe you'd say, okay, well, uh, I'm going to save money on gas. I'm going to get one of these electric cars. Maybe you're not saying that too. Uh, but if you're in the, uh, in the state of Wyoming, you may have to overcome some legislation to actually do that. 10% of all new cars sold last year were electric vehicles, which are seeing strong growth in China and Europe. Now, despite their popularity, some lawmakers in one state are making a symbolic gesture. They aren't that welcome. Six Republican legislators in Wyoming have introduced a bill proposal that expresses support for phasing out the sale of new electric vehicles in Wyoming by 2035. The proposed resolution praises Wyoming's, quote, proud and valued oil and gas industry for creating countless jobs. The ban would not be legally binding if passed. Lillian Wu, Fox News. So should it take that long to phase them out in Wyoming? Do you really need to go, if you were doing that, do you really need 12 years to phase out all the electric cars I don't know, and in I Wyoming? I especially love the, the, the last point on there. It would not be legally binding. Yeah, it's... I just didn't know if they were that far down that road that you had to have an extensive phase out because we're talking about phasing out gas cars at the same timeline and in some places as well. But well, it, it, anyway, if you it, that safe haven potentially for your for your avoidance of electric cars. We're, in we're proud of our history. No electricity. Getting yourself kerosene lamps, I guess. When I get that sweet looking Rivian, I guess I know what state I'm not going to go on vacation in. Did Chris Lofgren tell you he found someone who's got yes, a Rivian? Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> He did. It sounded even cool. It made me want one even more. I know, right? I, I, I don't even care that it's electric. I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Listen, I'll just, I'll just take it out. I'll just take it out every once in a while when I want to look really cool. Just go tailgating in the parking lot. Uh, a new strategy uh, that is uh, making some national news from a convenience store owner who is tired of people congregating outside of his store and driving away traffic decided to try and impact that with the music that he is playing for those who have been around his store. Some in the 24-hour convenience store chain creating an inconvenient environment for homeless people who they claim are harassing their customers. Experts uh, tell us that classical music and opera are annoying. Jagat Patel owns a spot in Austin, Texas. He spoke to Fox and Friends first. He's been pumping up the volume of the music. And it's working. He and other store owners say it's led to fewer people camping out in front. They are definitely annoyed. Uh, even a couple of people have say that it's, you know, it's loud. Patel says he's had had to pay professionals to clean up needles while customers tell him they've been attacked by homeless people. CJ Papa, Fox News. All right, well, putting aside all the, you know, the uh, the issues of some of the stereotyping of, of potentially people who are without a home there. Nonetheless, how, uh, my goodness, do people hate classical and opera music that much? Isn't that the? Uh, I, mean, I don't. I, there, there were times. Is classical music really driving people away? I mean, depending on depending on the piece, there were times that I would use that to go to sleep. I, I just glad Ed Polichick wasn't in here when we uh, when we no, did that one. No, I mean, 
you, you want to put something on to to drive people away, I think there's a lot better choices. Right? Wasn't there uh what was it? Um they were put didn't they I can't remember what country it was. I should remember this, but they they tried to get they tried to get uh, prisoners of war or something to confess by playing Barry Manilow constantly. Really? I remember a story about that years ago as well. Just hit but, Baby Shark on repeat. Yeah, or something like that. Or or they play like this like dark death thrash metal. That's They do that in movies right. at least sometimes. So we, anyway. we finally introduced Millie to Baby Shark last week. Oh, really? And then immediately that night we hear her in her bed and we're like, oh, we think she's asleep and then we just hear... Baby shark, baby shark. <laughs> All right, that's not how the song goes, but I, I see you like it. Uh, let's see. A couple of other things here. Uh, oh, this is interesting. So a major discovery made by a little girl who was uh, at the beach on Christmas. Take a listen to this. Young fossil hunter Molly Sampson discovering a megalodon tooth while wading the waters at a Calvert County beach on the Chesapeake Bay last month. The fossil has since been shared with paleontologists at the Calvert Marine Museum in Maryland, who dished about the find on Facebook, posting, future paleontologist Molly was out searching for fossils on Christmas morning when what to her wondering eyes appeared but a huge megalodon tooth. The extinct megalodon is one of the largest fish to have ever lived, measuring about 33 feet long on average, with some scientists believing larger megalodons could have grown more than double those estimates, clocking in at 82 feet long. The tooth found by Molly is roughly the size of her hand. Lauren Faulkner, Fox News. All right. They, I mean, megalodon actually means big tooth. That's that's literally uh, what it means. But uh, I grew up with with different experiences on christmas morning yeah apparently that, that's that's true <laughs> now they ought to take her to see uh that remember that megalodon movie that came out the meg a few, yeah the meg right they where there, there was like this scary this huge whale floating around and then it comes behind the whale and it's like eight times the size of this <laughs> whale and and swipes it from behind take that girl to see that movie so she knows what she's uh she's a put the there. real fear into her yeah exactly um all right, last but not least, latest in the reboot world. Maybe you saw some commercials on this during the uh, the football weekend. That's when I saw them. But they are for those of you who were around watching uh, sitcoms in the '80s, you probably remember Night Court. Well, you got to have a reboot for everything, and NBC is bringing back. Yes, Night Court with one of its original stars. The new Night Court is a sequel that brings back some of your favorite characters and introduces some new ones. The series follows the daughter of Judge Harry Stone, Abby Stone, played by Melissa Rauch, as she presides over her courtroom full of nighttime wanderers and lawbreakers. Permission to approach. Denied. John Larroquette returns to his role as prosecutor Dan Fielding, who finds himself at odds with Rauch's character, Abby. It's the the chemistry between their characters that makes this sequel with its defining one-liners that make it reminiscent of the original series. The revival airs on NBC. Michelle Polino, Fox News. I had to look up how many of the people who were in the original Night Court were still alive. Harry Anderson passed away. He was the, the judge. I remember Marky Post was last summer or two summers ago. Um, who was Christine in that? She had she had passed away. Now Richard Mole, who was Bull, he's still alive. Uh, Marsha Warfield, um, she is. Uh, she was uh, like the 
um, what was her uh, Rosaline was her name. She's she's still alive as well. But there aren't a ton of there aren't a ton of these people who are actually still still alive after this whole thing. I've never even um, heard of this show. You haven't heard of this show? No. All right. Sorry. Um. Yeah. It was. Uh. It was pop. They put it on. I think they ran it Thursday. They they sort of ran. I think it was on that Thursday night package around. Right when Cheers, it was when they were just trying to find find some stuff to make Thursday night a big deal. So I think it was kind of Cheers, maybe in that same Family Ties era. Am I right on that, on Thursday nights on NBC? I might be. All right, anyway, there you go. That's it for the uh, sound off today. 33 degrees in the capital city. Grab a break. Back after this on Lincoln's News and Talk, 1499 KLIN. Wait. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Heads up, uh, Friday, request line Friday. I want to make sure everybody's notified of uh, what we're doing and the bounds on your requests. And this week, our genre will be those songs that help you get through winter, whatever that means <laughs> to you. Uh, as we get into what I call the dog days of winter, probably have some snow and ice left over on the ground on Friday and realizing, oh my goodness, we still, we're still like six weeks. We've got, we got a couple of weeks till Groundhog Day, but the reality is we got several weeks of this year still left mm-hmm. as people might start getting spring fever. So I want to know for you, what are those songs that get you through the cold, dark, snowy days of winter and over to the other side? And so uh, maybe uh, maybe kind of a bright and sunny Friday request, excuse me, request line Friday with all that. So you can get those requests in now uh, as soon as you want to on the Rick Stein Recognition text line. Just text the name of the song to us at 402-479-1400. Any reason that you selected that song in particular, if you want to tell us that as well. And then Friday, we'll have some fun, get you ready for the weekend and play some music while we do our talk show. So that's coming up on Friday. All right. We got Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, coming up in 10 minutes. Talk Nebraska News and Politics, your morning drive also next hour as well. 7 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Glad to have you uh, with us. We... uh been uh, monitoring, taking a look at uh, the latest projections from uh, meteorologists that are friends of the show and the National Weather Service in terms of what tomorrow is going to look like. We're going to give you our big update on that about 25 minutes from right now with your morning drive. So if you're wondering about snow totals, if you're wondering about cancellations being in play for the next uh, next day or two, uh, tune in and uh, be st- uh, stay tuned in, I should say, uh, for 735 in your morning drive. When we count down the five things you're going to be talking about today, right now, though, we have Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? 
Just waiting for those snow totals, Jack. Yeah, we'll Can't see. Well, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> right right now. Right now, National Weather Service put out a map for Lancaster County that has four different colors of <laughs> of uh, snowfall potential within that county. Uh, so I may I may just set this one out in terms of predicting what's going to happen. <laughs> Wise idea. Yeah. Uh, all right, Joe. Uh, news at the end of last week, not necessarily surprising news, but uh, news we figured was coming down the uh, down the pike very soon. Uh, Jim Pillen made it official uh, that he was going to be appointing former Governor Pete Ricketts to the Senate spot vacated by Ben Sass. Um, you know, in, in the end, uh, something that, that we fully expected. We did get to hear a little bit more about the process, about the the names who uh, the names who were submitted, or sub- people who submitted their own names, I should say, uh, the interviews, those sorts of things. Uh, anything in that whole whole process that you found interesting or notable or or surprising, or was that were these just kind of uh, kind kind of what you expected on the way to an outcome that you expected? Well, to begin with, was 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 Pete Ricketts the only person in the state that was surprised he got the the uh, the appointment? <laughs> right, probably. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting comment when he indicated that he was somewhat surprised. Yeah, because uh, I think he was the only person. I don't was. think he was surprised. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I do. I was. I'm trying to figure out why the Democrats haven't made a bigger. Maybe maybe they just don't care at this point. I don't know. I thought that they could have made some noise about the fact that uh, that Governor Pillen acknowledged he didn't even talk to a Democrat uh, that uh, that applied for the, the slot. Not that not that I'm surprised that he didn't. Uh, he's made it pretty clear occasionally over the past uh, year and a half or two during the campaign uh, that he doesn't really he doesn't seem to value the Democratic Party very much. Uh, so I guess it wasn't surprising to me. But there are Democrats in the legislature that he, in some respects, he has to work with. Uh, and just to sort of, you know, put, putting a, a, a thumb in the eye of all the Democrats didn't. I, I'm not sure that's the, the best move right out of the box. But then again, uh, you know, the elections have consequences. And if you win, you pretty much can say and do what you want, at least initially. Right. Uh, as as for the Democrats, you know, it's. Uh, he was never going to appoint a Democrat, so I guess you could justify not actually going down that road, putting someone down that road. Although, on the other hand, he probably was never going to appoint any of the people that he interviewed. So maybe it was a, <laughs> you know, a, a bridge yeah. you could build to some degree uh, by having done that. But it, it, he 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 chose. Well, I always not. think I always think it's you know, I mean, look at it. I know that there are plenty of people out there who only watch Fox News. There are plenty of people out there who only watch MSNBC. You know, my my view of that is uh, that's not a real that's not a good use of your time. I try to you know I have preached and and, and personally over the years I try to watch all these different uh, operations. Uh, and I think as the governor, you might want to know what Democrats are thinking. Just bring a Democrat in, tell them right from the start you're not going to get the appointment, but I'm glad to talk to you about you know A, B, and C. And so they they know their time hasn't been wasted. At least uh, they had a chance to talk to the governor. Uh, but again, uh, if you know, he he made it very clear that he was interested in talking because he he finds I guess the whole Democratic Party a bunch of socialists, and that's kind of where he is right now. Yeah. Um, 
did you think was was there any I, I saw some of it I heard some of the quotes but was there any sort of direct addressing of any critiques that that Pillen might have gotten about just sort of the, the the political coziness of of all of the events taking place like they did well you know his answer to that was it's not in his DNA to uh, be involved in backroom deals uh, that was his answer I, I don't think I think there's a a significant number of people in Nebraska, probably on both sides of the aisle, who think in this case that there there may have been a backdoor deal, uh, because there's there's there was never an indication that uh, that that Bricketts wasn't going to get the appointment. I mean, it was never those of us the the public, the media. I don't think anybody had any question that that, that was that was going to happen. Right, and uh, so. You know he can he can he you know he he clearly you know as expected said he had he doesn't do backroom deals but uh, it sure it sure looked like this was arranged from the get go. Um, so then moving on beyond the appointment, it is it is what it is. He had you know he had the uh, he was given the ability to make the uh, make the choice that he wanted to, and he did. Uh, and so now Pete Ricketts will be a uh, U.S. senator from the state of Nebraska. Uh, do you think we can kind of glean anything about uh, about Ricketts about you know what he did as governor about kind of where his priorities are, his style in terms of sort of forecasting what he'll be like as as a U.S. senator, especially compared kind of to the, the U.S. senators that we've had in office recently? Well, the only the only thing that, that to me that is somewhat curious, and it's a little abstract to begin his uh, time in the Senate with, is Daily Beast has run a story in the last 24, 48 hours, uh, raising some questions about uh, Ricketts and some uh, financial investments uh, in China. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of a complicated, not clear story uh, that Ricketts has some involvement in, in some equity firm that may, may have made some investments in, in Beijing. Uh, but, you know, during his uh, announcement that he, when he got the Senate slot, uh, and he's, he's talked about this periodically during being governor, you know, that he, he made it very clear he was the first governor in the country to to ban TikTok from uh, from state uh, phones and what have mm-hmm. you. Uh, some other uh, times when he's when he's pounced on the on the on the Chinese government. I think I think they moved the uh, uh, they have was a, there was a trade headquarters possibly in Beijing. They moved it to Germany or something like that. I think that I think that's right. Uh, so he wanted he wanted those things to be clear to uh, to people that were watching. So maybe in the background, he knows that he's, he was going to get some criticism for some family investments or his personal investments uh, that may have had some uh, Chinese involvement. Uh, with uh, no matter how loose that is, because when you when you file for the Senate uh, and, you, and you're now you're in the Senate, the, the disclosure, the financial disclosures are a lot more complicated and revealing than they are when you uh, in the state of Nebraska for, for political. Uh, uh, people in, in political office, mm-hmm. so he's going to have to disclose and in, include a lot more information in his Senate uh, financial disclosure filings that we'll, we'll find out more about some of his investments. But other than that, I, I mean, I presume he's going to, you know, he'll enter the Senate, and he'll, he'll, I'd be surprised if he casts any votes. To, and certainly, initially, that, that surprise any of us. Um, he'll, you know, he'll. I can't imagine he won't continue to rail against the uh, Biden administration, um, and I, I have no reason to believe he won't be a tried and true member of the Republican Party in the U.S. Senate. 
be interesting to see kind of where he is on on committees and um you know how how you know how much we see him kind of kind of publicly as well i'd guess quite a bit um i would guess he he probably won't be a stranger to to media there um when when he's in the senate as well so it'll be fascinating to see what kind of kind of what kind of senator that he is um, the, other, the other thing i'm wondering about jack is in, in 2024 there's going to be two u.s senate races yeah. in nebraska uh, Senator Fisher running for re-election and uh, Senator uh, Ricketts running for election, so to speak. I'm wondering, you know, if, if, if you're the Democrats and you have trouble finding, you know, in the end they had, they had, you know, they got Carol Budd to run for governor, but it was like probably pulling teeth around the state right. trying to find someone. They couldn't find anybody to run for any of the other, other constitutional offices. Maybe do they just pick one Senate race? That's what do I they, wondered. Do they yeah. decide, you know what, we, you know, is it Ricketts that we go after? Or is it Fisher that we go after? Uh, you go after Fisher because she's had two terms. Uh, you, you, you try to probably make the case that during those two terms, what has she done? That, that whole thing. Uh, with Ricketts, you try to make the case it was a backroom deal. Now the voters can, can weigh in and, and go against them. The downside with both of those is, on Ricketts, the downside is he... You know, all the millions of dollars we know that Pete Ricketts spends on whatever he wants to spend on, he's going to have plenty of money, raise it, out of his own pocket for his own for the campaign uh, with, with Senator Fisher, uh, it has it, it, it seemed for quite some time that Nebraskans seem to be kind of, you know pretty supportive of her handling of her roles in the Senate. So I just wonder if the Democrats in the end do they try to take them both on one of them or, or in the end none of them? I don't uh, know. But but I mean before the option of taking them both on, if they've got to find two candidates as you as right. you pointed out, and and that I mean that doesn't seem given given how or at least you know two viable candidates that that there's unity of support at least within the party for, and they haven't been able to do that in a Senate race for a long time, frankly. Right. Um, right. So uh, in, until they do that, until they can prove that they can do that, I don't you know having too i suppose you know i suppose you maybe the 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 fisher term is a longer one maybe fisher is i, I don't i mean neither of them are beatable right now so i don't know uh, how how qualifying one is more beatable than the other would even makes a whole lot of sense at this point but that will be it'll be a a, a very different election year um with with well, both it's of those a real test for the democratic party because if they don't have viable somewhat viable candidates it, it's it's it, it gets a little bit embarrassing after a while uh, yeah a hundred percent i mean i think i i think with the problems over over two you know a decade and a half honestly of of finding candidates and it, and it continues to get worse you can point out to several gubernatorial races you can point to some senate races you can point to some house races here uh when jeff fortenberry was winning over and over again and the right. difficulty in doing that yeah it's i mean i think it's a legitimate question to ask at this point with that election coming uh not too not too far down the road uh, let's get into a little bit of legislative stuff in the in the few minutes that we've uh, we've got. Uh, I think it was since last time that we talked, uh, we found out that at least one of the proposals that will be out there on in, in the post uh, Roe versus Wade overturning world is going to be uh, a heartbeat, uh, fetal heartbeat bill, essentially that is when there's a steady and repetitive rhythmic contraction of the fetal heart within the gestational sac. That that's the definition of when there would be a, a restriction on abortions. Um, this would be one under the proposal. 
where there wouldn't necessarily be criminal penalties for the doctor or the patient here, uh, be it more occupational licensing penalties for the doctor. There would be, you know, the normal exceptions that are in there. Does this strike you as uh, somewhere as is kind of a, a middle ground here going just far enough, perhaps? Um, between what was talked about for the special legislative session last year and sort of the complete restrictions that we thought maybe would be the the progression after Roe versus Wade was overturned? Well, you know, as you know, and I think a lot of Nebraskans are pretty aware at this point, it, right now the law is 20 weeks. After 20 weeks, you can't have a legal abortion in Nebraska. The fetal heartbeat basically, and it, it obviously varies, you know, pregnancy to pregnancy, but pretty much the general understanding is you're talking about six weeks. And, you know, going from 20 weeks to six weeks, uh, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty strong move by the by the pro-life uh, side of this argument. I mean, 12 weeks might have been, quote-unquote, a compromise. I'm not sure that the pro-choice side is going to look at six weeks as a as a compromise. Uh, you know, that, that Senator Albrecht, put it on the table, had a news conference last week to announce it, and within moments, the ACLU was quick to point out, uh, in their view at least, that at six weeks, uh, and I think there were a few state senators on the Democratic side that said the same thing, at six weeks, some many women don't even know they're pregnant yet, let alone have the opportunity, in their view, to, to pursue the possibility of an abortion. So uh, six weeks, uh, I don't want to call it dramatic, but I, I think it's going to be, it, it clearly gives the, the opponents of, of six weeks the opportunity to say uh, this is unreasonable and and sets up a, a fight because you know, there are plenty of people on the pro-life side who, who didn't want to, they didn't want to, quote unquote, in their view, compromise. They, they wanted a complete mm-hmm. ban. Mm-hmm. So, so you've, you've kind of got the, on both sides sort of the quote unquote fringes saying the one side, you know, no, this isn't good enough. And the other side saying it's, it, it goes a step too far. Uh, I've said this before. I, I, when we get to the hearings on these bills, and I presume there, I, I, I think there's going to be at least one or two more that uh, establish, quote unquote, a bit more middle ground. Maybe it would be 12 weeks. Right. Uh, we'll see. But um, the, the hearings on those on the, those legis, those pieces of legislation are going to be pretty intense and pretty interesting, and and the numbers will probably be pretty pretty significant in terms of number of people that want to testify. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because Albrecht indicated that she would have gone further, but she thought that, you know, for reasons of, of vote counting, um, that she couldn't go further. She is confident that she's got the votes now. But the interesting thing is, Joe, that they, I can't remember if it was 10 or 12 weeks that was the one that was discussed for the special session in the fall where the where those who supported it essentially say, said we don't have the, the support in the last iteration of the legislature to make that work. Now you go further and you're conf- conf- confident that you do have the votes in this new iteration of the legislature. So there must be some feeling that, that the makeup has changed enough to go a little bit further with this thing if, if you know, Albrecht is as confident as she says she is. Yeah, I mean, we don't know yet because no votes have been taken. But but looking at the at the at the at the, at the new lawmakers that are in there and some of that have left, uh, there are some indications that you may have that, that you in the past you had five or six or seven lawmakers that were somewhere in the middle. Uh, they were they were they were Republicans, but more moderate, uh, and those those folks are gone, replaced by uh, more sort of hardline uh, Republican 
in, incumbents now. So I think those numbers do add up, but the, the, I, I, I'm, I'll be surprised if the argument isn't for those who oppose the legislation that, that in effect, six weeks is, is a ban. Don't, right. you know, that, that, that's a ban because, as I said before, and there, I think it, you go through life, you, you, a lot of people, a lot of women don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think you're going to hear from the side saying this is a ban. You can call it six weeks, but it, it's, it's a ban, uh, and, and we're going to go from there. Uh, and again, my guess is we're going to have a really tight fight in the legislature over whether or not when we get to that filibuster situation uh where those bills wind up going if there are multiple bills that have different you know if there's a 10-week one if there's a six-week one if there's other ones out there how does that how will that work exactly is it just a matter of what gets out of committee or or what does that mean how will we how will they decide which is the one that ultimately gets the kind of the big dramatic vote on this whole thing well it's possible you could you could have you know Two or three bills, all clear committee, all go to the floor, and then you'd have a real. Then you'd, you'd basically have, you know, horse trading on the floor over the over which you know six weeks, right. twelve weeks, ten weeks you wanted to go with. Um, so maybe it's an amalgamation. It's possible. It's possible yeah. in, in whichever committee, you know, it, it, I presume it's going to be health and human services, but sometimes these things wind up in judiciary, and that's also going to be, be a factor to watch as we go forward here. But whichever committee has these bills, if if, if one committee has them all. That, that committee could decide, yeah, we're only going to send one to the floor, uh, and, and this is it. Uh, then again, it, they could send more than one. Uh, what we, we, we don't know a lot more now than we do know, believe yeah. me. Yeah. Um, very early in the session and a lot more to come and a lot to discuss about that, which we will with Joe Jordan throughout the coming weeks. Joe, always appreciate your time. We will uh, check in next Tuesday, all right? Take care, Jack. Thank you. Hello, Joe Jordan. News Channel Nebraska, 726. Caleb's back with sports right after this on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. All right, it is 7.38, and it is time to count them down. So we're going to get that started today with... Number five. Winter Storm Watch begins at 6 tomorrow morning and continues basically till 6 Thursday morning for most of our area. Uh, I spoke with uh, National Weather Service meteorologist Dirk Peterson a couple of hours ago. He told me the Lincoln Metro, at least what they're seeing right now, 4 to 5 inches more to the north. But a steep gradient just to the southeast of us. He said, well, Lincoln could get four to five. Southeastern Lancaster County might only get two, maybe two and a half inches. Snowfall amounts a lot higher to the north, a lot less to the south. But this thing could wiggle a little bit and change that whole uh, outlook here by the time it gets here tomorrow. By this time tomorrow, we should be uh, getting into the snow if things hold together. They're saying around midnight, start around Beatrice, up here around six tomorrow morning um yeah like you were saying with the steep gradient i looked at the national weather services uh map that they just put out last couple of hours and and that that map by the way is posted at klin.com if anybody wants to look at i believe if you there's a little area of 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 the very northwest corner that uh, is in the the yellow color of Lancaster, northwest corner of Lancaster County that's in yellow color. And so if you count that, you have four different colors yep. of snowfall bands in Lancaster County for this one. So when you talk about a steep gradient, I feel like you're talking about different snowfall totals for <laughs> different ends of this city at this point. 
It's like, possible. Like you could get. Uh, it like, looks like a topography map. You could get. Yeah, right. It looks like a topography map of a, a steep mountain. Yeah, when it, where, where the, the closer the lines are together, the the steeper it gets, and the the, the closer you have all of those uh, those lines, the the more difference you're going to have within an area. So my advice: uh, be ready, snowfall wise, for anything from a trace to eight inches. Okay. Yeah, Is that I was, helpful? I, I was, Is that helpful I, for everyone? I was going to say from uh, uh, freezing possibility of some freezing precipitation to eight and a half feet, somewhere in between. Somewhere yeah. in there. Might happen tomorrow. Might be Thursday. <laughs> Now, now, Mark, the interesting thing is is how much better is it if we don't get the big snow totals? Well, Because that means, it could mean you get more freezing rain, essentially, in that middle part of the day. Yeah, on, and, it, on and, and if, if the temperatures, and, and if it moves further to the north, we'll probably be a little warmer. So we could have, start out with uh, freezing precip, even some sleet, then change to rain, then back to freezing rain, drizzle, and all of that. Because... The one thing about this one, it's very moisture-rich. You know, we've seen what's happened in California. I mean, these things packing a bunch of moisture with them. And this one happens to be taking more of a direct target at us, at least for right now. So, But good, I'm, not, I'm not putting any money on it. No, I'm not. I, mean, I still am of the default belief, just because it's been so long. Like, I need to actually see one of these storms come through and be produce significant snowfalls, because it's been the better part of two years since we've seen that uh and we did uh, we did definitely in late winter what would have been 2020 2021 yeah. right we definitely saw that at that point but for the most part we just haven't now a couple of things with that really wet snow uh if it if we do end up getting a decent amount that's scoopable a lot heavier right and so uh if you're if you're scooping be careful with that also very good snowball making snow that it is. So and, be and on snow. the lookout. Mm. Keep your head on a swivel. Okay. And Keep, snow people. Yes, and snow and snow people as well. Um, and then if you're a kid wondering about school, obviously there's nothing right now on that. But I will just point out that I assume there was a decent amount of blowback with the cancellations right before semester break for, for LPS, where there were two days that were canceled at the end of the semester. Now, the second one was definitely, I think, justified. It was just bitterly cold. That was a bad situation. But the second to last day, so what would have been the, was it the Wednesday of that week? Yes. It was not a bad day at all. No, it, it, just, it, it, it didn't come through. No. It, I mean, I just went out. I remember I went out. I was doing Christmas shopping still at the time. I went out and did a bunch of shopping that day, and I was like, uh-huh. yeah, this is just a, this is just a really typical yeah, that, December that, day. That forecast really missed. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so you know, I wonder if they'll be a little little more tenuous about about pulling the trigger on, on any of those. But it will be interesting, too. Like, are you looking at, is, 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 does tomorrow bring the issues or does Thursday bring the issues? Or, or both? Could, uh, if, if you do have something that's significant. The, the weather events expected to be tomorrow, the lasting effects will be on Thursday. Right. So, and of course, uh, you can always check KLIN.com for the latest in closings. And if uh, you have a business or a church or any of that, you can actually sign up to uh, put your own closings on there. All the details right there on the closings tab. Caleb's uh, working on that as well. All right. So uh, be ready for anything. And if that means you need to go clear out the grocery shelves, 
because you is there anything even left people have known about this for a couple of I days. don't know we'll <laughs> see that then you'll really know how bad it could potentially be is what the grocery shelves are like tonight how much milk there is we're eating chili for the next four days Which, by the way how long do you guys think you're going to be unable to get milk exactly because of a snowstorm in lincoln I mean, goodness sakes. That's always odd that that's... The I don't know how fast it's, milk goes in your home. Uh, very that, fa- that, That's true. Very fast. Yeah. To me, the chip aisle is the one that re- really is going to give the barometer on how this thing and is some going. some chips have been hard to get anyway. Yeah, they, ha- they really have. Oh, what are we, are we a couple a chip of times when I, when I couldn't even find Fritos. Fri- Fritos are hard to find. Yeah. We got... I, I went with... Right the, there. Uh, I Well... Maybe now, but around the holidays, yeah, it was. They were so hard to find, and and when it was cold, because everybody was getting chilly. I think I've never I think had it's an all issue the finding those. I had to go and buy. I had to go when we had. We were having chili. We were having uh, my right before Christmas. We had uh, my in laws over, and we we're gonna have chili. I had to buy generic Fritos. Oh, Wasn't even the name brand. So sad. Yeah. At, at, it was at the super. There was a different location, but it was at Super Saver. You were pointing at. So. Uh, no, I was pointing at Target. Oh, okay, Target. Oh, I wouldn't think going there. Maybe I should have went there. The chip aisle's always full. And good, isn't that where point. you sing sometimes? Entertain people in that chip aisle from time to time. I've been known. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, article in the uh, Journal Star this morning from uh, Jack's favorite uh, writer, Margaret Reese. Waste it away in Margaret Reese Deville. Lincoln's second water source. I've been talking about it. It's a, probably a 25-year project, but the advisory group saying it should come from the well fields along the Missouri between Omaha and Nebraska City with a treated water pipe directly to Lincoln. So that's what the 27-member group is recommending. Mark, I have no opinion on if this is a good idea or not. I I am out of my expertise area here. uh, The the estimated costs uh, put the construction, operation, maintenance at about $1.4 billion. And you know that if this is a 25-year project, the cost is going to be a lot higher than that. So there's uh, some significant dollars that are have, going to have to be spent on this project. A lot of digging, but it also may, uh, you know, provide some services for communities between the river and Lincoln, such as Ashland, Greenwood, Waverly, where you know growing populations. Put a little feeder line maybe down along the South Beltway, East Beltway by then, and feed uh, you know South Lincoln or uh, you know the cities to the south as well. Uh, the uh, group was headed by uh, Brian Chafin. Uh, he's a regional leader at Olson, and uh, so you know you can get some good people on that yeah. task. So it's it's a uh, it's I compli- trust the engineers. It's comp- complicated uh, story, and it's now involved uh, State Senator Elliot Bostar as well. Uh, so the so uh, I mean I guess the obvious there's there's more water available to Missouri than there is the Platte, right? Well, it also would. You know, if there's an issue on the Platte River, you've got a completely separate source. You know, when we had the flooding on the Platte, that wasn't uh, an issue with uh, with the pumps and everything getting water out of the uh, Missouri at that time. Right. So, so you got to pump it further, though. Oh, yeah. So this is a more expensive, probably a one of the most expensive options because. You right. gotta pump the thing twice as far, really. Right, but it's also, you know, it's about the best water supply for the eastern part of the state. Uh, it's the closest, anyway. And if 
They're also talking about this uh, lake project is possibly being considered not just a recreation lake, but also a reservoir yeah. for the area. Yeah. So there's a lot, uh, yeah. lot going into it. Can we, how about a taste test? Can I have, uh, you know, just do a little flight of different waters from the river sources around the state? And, and maybe, I'd like that to factor into this whole thing. Okay. Well, I used to work in St. Joe, Missouri, and I can tell you that the water there tasted fine. And that's downriver from Omaha. Oh, okay. All right. I just think that needs to be factored into this whole process. I think we need some taste experts. Can we get the water before it gets to Omaha? I well, realize that's, that's going to be a little further. I get that. <laughs> no, I was thinking about that as well. <laughs> but then it would have to cross the Platte River. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, do you, yeah. I mean, I think there's probably two different options here is you, you treat it at the facility right there or you pipe it. Uh, no, you'd treat, treat it, it somewhere else. No, you'd treat it on at the, the source. Okay. Because you never know where it's going to uh, branch off. If it goes to another city and, you know, we supply to other cities, it's got to be treated. Drink that water. Go. You don't know where that water's been. No, Ashland yeah. can have the dirty river water. We will get the clean stuff here. But Waverly, for their volleyball prowess. Whatever they're true. doing, don't, whatever, don't interrupt yes. whatever's happening in Keep Waverly. Whatever source is going to Waverly right now for, well, the, for the volleyball pipeline. <laughs> let's just pipe. Waverly water into Lincoln. Yes. All right. Moving on. Number three. Apple CEO Tim Cook going to get a pay cut this year. uh, 40%. Whoa. I hope he can afford it. Uh, Cook's target total compensation for this year is down to $49 Oh, okay. Uh, So this was after... This isn't like one of those like... Is this like one of those voluntary things, or is that this was actually the shareholders? This was shareholders decided feedback. to yeah. say executive yeah. pay is too high at this yep. point. Yep. So feedback received by the uh, uh, directors, and but you know, forty nine million is still pretty good salary. Yeah, it's true. I mean, consider he's been in the position since twenty eleven. Forty nine million is still a pretty good salary. Yeah, it is, <laughs> Mark. It definitely still is. I agree with you on that. <laughs> well, and and if he has a home in uh, Lincoln by any chance, or he's a part owner, the increase in property valuations uh, not going to bother him. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number two. More additions for Nebraska football players. Uh, football program. Couple of players returning. You you didn't want to. No. Give, give it a, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda coming out of the portal. Uh, Xavier Betts is going to be rejoining the team as well. You also have a player coming in from another team. That's uh, Georgia's MJ Sherman. He was a former four-star linebacker. That Isaiah, Isaiah Car- Garcia Castaneda thing leaving in the middle of the season was so long ago. I'd kind of forgotten about right. that. Right, and so that completely took me by surprise that he would have not played this most of this season and then decided to come back, but. Apparently there was some kind of relationship stricken up with the new coaching staff and and made that decision and then and then Xavier Betts, which you know for, for to me that's a, even a little bit more significant. Number one, I think because he's a, an Omaha kid, yeah, um, and that factors into it. But when 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 that guy had highlight plays, they were big highlight plays. Yeah, when he got the I ball, remember. you said, why isn't he getting the ball? Yeah, more? like he had a weirdly smooth way of running. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. But the when he had, he he had a big play in the COVID year against Penn State, had a big play against Northwestern in twenty one, big play against Minnesota in twenty one. Um and I was uh, uh, it, it was I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see him back. I hope he can uh, yeah I know he's taking a year off, 
but but that was a big deal. And then this uh, getting a George transfer, we'll see. Not a guy who's played a lot on defense. He is a five star. Sometimes that's worked. Sometimes it hasn't. So yeah, you know, we'll we'll see on that. But he so. has seen the field a whole bunch though by playing on special teams and for Xavier Betts. I know there's a lot of people like, well, maybe he stepped away because he really didn't love football or there was this going on or that. He stepped away. He's come back. I think right now you give him the benefit of the doubt. It's a clean slate for everybody involved with the new coaching staff. Yeah, probably a different tenor in the position coach at this point. You know, all uh, all of those things probably factoring in. But it's a it's a room that needs depth, frankly. So so it makes it makes some sense if you've got these guys who are willing to do that and are you know familiar. Of course, with the program Absolutely. Already. And right now, you're 10 over the scholarship limit. We'll see how things go through spring ball. But before we get to August, they're going to have to, it's going to have to get trimmed down. So we will see some of those guys. Maybe they were in the portal and came back like an IGC, and then they might be leaving again. So, so a more attrition is going to happen. Let's see what the coaching staff thinks of these guys yeah. through the spring. All right. This one will make you feel old. Number one. 16 years ago, Netflix got into the streaming. You remember what it was like before that? Yeah, you mailed in DVDs, right? You, got, you sent you got, off for DVDs. You got the DVD. You went on their website, checked the little boxes. The DVDs would show up, and you'd ship them back. Uh, did, you didn't. Have, did you ever do that? I never. I, I've never had a Netflix account ever. Oh, you still don't? Okay. Oh yeah, we. Uh, I never did the DVD thing because the other thing that came about right at at that time were those Redbox machines. Uh-huh. Um, when well, like the Blockbuster thing was on decline, there were some. Young streaming, but there was like a, there was a two-year period. It feels like maybe twelve years ago, ish, where those red box machines at the grocery store and at the where that was like the best option for. Well, yeah, because streaming was so slow. Streaming, and, yeah, you, you and they didn't have you didn't have like a Roku, for instance, uh-huh. right? That you use now or a smart TV, or at least as right. you, most of the time you yeah. usually were using old TVs. It just it wasn't as convenient to do to get it on a TV as it is now and so you still had DVD players out for the most part then so like there was like a two part where the two year period where those things were the best possible option in between video store era mm-hmm. and in between full streaming yeah um, but but yeah once you got it easier to to stream those things in the you know high, higher speed internet in the home that obviously was uh, was where well, things and, ended up and that's 16 years and the biggest, okay, that was very biggest thing there is you've gotten high-speed wireless. Yes. I mean, back in the day, you had to have a wired do- yep. uh, you know, device right. to, to deliver. I mean, 100 meg was really speedy. Yep, yep. You can still find a red box just a couple blocks away from here. Yeah, they're still around. I mean, people still, I, th- I think yeah, people still they, use uh, them. About a dollar? Uh, I don't know what they cost it depends these on if days. You're renting or ever. It depends on if you're renting or directly buying it. Well, the thing is, I don't... I don't even have a DVD. I don't know. I think I have a DVD player in my house, but I don't have one set up anymore. Well, most people just use their video game system or their computer. Oh, that's true. My computer, my computer doesn't have a CD-ROM drive on it anymore. Well, why don't you have an external drive? That's what I've got. Because I don't need. I, because then, I don't and, need it. And then uh, you know, then <laughs> fire. You know, cast it up to your TV. Well, I know you're out there. You're out there ripping CDs onto your computer anyway. So you still need <laughs> yours. So you can still. I got a bunch of old DVDs if you want to mark. Got a bunch of old DVDs you can have. They're harder to, to rip. Oh. And and a lot more. Oh, you can just a lot more storage. <laughs> you can just sit back and watch uh, the Disney version of Beauty and the Beast if you want to. It's uh 7:55. We'll take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. 
Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, at 809. It's time for uh, another hour of the show. Welcome back. Glad to have you. Uh, glad to have you with us today and joining us today is uh, Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, who uh, joins us uh, joins us every once in a while on a Tuesday morning. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, uh, Jack. Good morning. Ready for the winter storm? Are you ready? Are I you we are. Go? We are hunkered down. We've got our shovels uh, sharpened. We've got our ice melt ready to go. We're gonna we're gonna be prepared for whatever the weather throws. Uh, winter storm watch Wednesday morning until six a.m. Uh, Thursday, and we'll give you the uh, latest here in about twenty five minutes on uh, what the forecasters are saying for this uh, for the snowstorm here. But uh, looks like one that maybe could be significant, maybe could be nothing. So. Uh, that's very helpful, I know. Uh, so let's let, let's talk uh, let's talk water in, in a couple of iterations, but let's start with it uh, in, from the perspective of floodplain uh, for stormwater and, and the discussions that have been happening at the city level for the last couple of weeks. And I guess maybe just as laying some groundwork for this, um, can, can you, from your perspective, just kind of uh, g- give us an update on on where things landed with this? I know the city council yeah. did end up end up passing something and there were some amendments made i I think one that was not but but tell us kind of where things ended up on this yeah yeah so for folks that haven't been following this uh the city council last week at their meeting uh passed a package of updated amendments to how we um how we address uh, uh, stormwater management, and they they call that the drainage criteria manual. It's the set of rules for how we uh, grow and develop in areas that are lower lying areas that are prone to potential uh, flooding issues. It's about sixteen percent of the city by by area, um, and uh, and this has been a long conversation. It's been going on actually for more than a year now. Uh, the chamber's been been very engaged, and I've been on this program in the past talking about some of the nuts and bolts of it, and I, I won't bore everyone to, with that today but ultimately the 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 council ended up um considering the package of amendments as proposed and and on a four to two vote uh did take action to pass pass those uh ordinances with a few uh few last minute amendments um you know however i think it, it ended up in a place where um, the chamber and the business community dis- disagrees with the the majority of of what's in there there were some I think some real uh, compromise solutions uh, that that we missed an opportunity as a community to take advantage of, and so that's that's where it sits. So it what I mean, without and I know you, it's it's you know it's you don't want to have people's eyes eyes glaze over to get too technical on this, yeah. but what would you have liked to have seen more generally if there's some disappointment from a chamber perspective on on what was done on this whole thing? Yeah, I I think one example is just what the impacts on development are going to be, uh, and and I think the most concrete one is is right now to uh, put it if you're going to open up a new what is a cornfield you want to develop houses there. Um, you know, you're going to have to to take a look at how big that acreage is, and I think the standard right now is something over 100 uh, acres um, to put in what they call channels. So you got to channelize how the the water is going to flow out of there. Um, that standard in the new package was reduced to 40 acres. So if you're going to open up 40 acres to put houses houses on, you need to put uh, channels in there. And the the compromise solution that was proposed by uh, many in the community was let's set that at 80. 
and that was voted down in, in in the meeting is one example. I will mention I think there was one one compromise amendment that that ended up getting made that we we were pleased to see and that we will continue to watch and this is going to be an ongoing conversation uh, for our community and that is to look at uh, structural solutions, upstream solutions that will really mitigate flooding um, within a six-month period is what the the as I understand it the the council directed the administration to look into, and we we have been advocating for that from the beginning. We think it's an appropriate step to do. That also passed on a four-two vote, um, but at at the same time, I you know I just want to highlight. I think there were there were many who felt that the the process itself just missed an opportunity to be uh, more robust and comprehensive and find better compromise opportunities. And that was that that came from actually two council members. Uh, you know, highlighted. Well, you, you had a council, a couple of council members that said that was there. I mean, was there time to keep this going? Was there a reason that it needed to be done now? If there was at least some people in the room who were saying. We could use some more discussion on this, maybe to find some more solutions that are going to make everybody happy. I, answers are going to differ on this. Okay, from I mean, our, obviously, from our perspective, obviously. from our perspective, we did not think it it rose to the degree of urgency that I think other voices in the conversation did, and um, uh, that's their right to to disagree with us right. on that. So, so I understand that. I do want to point out, though, had we begun a more robust process at the time it was proposed and and in which this consortium as well as the chamber were willing to put money into it we could have had that worked wrapped up last june Mm -hmm. and and not need to have a conversation about extending a process we would have i think arrived at some compromise solutions differently um by now already so i guess the question is now what i mean the decision is what the decision is um how you know from from the chamber's perspective how do you you make the most out of this that is is a result that i think you you know was disappointing to you yeah i you know i think again the the big consideration that that we are happy uh got acknowledged by the council uh was the the real need to look at upstream mitigation opportunities that is the set of solutions that sadly would be expensive to implement we don't know how expensive um we don't know what the those would look like some of those would be comparatively cheap you know berms or planned uh, you know in flood events um, agricultural fields that that would maintain that water volume and not have it passed down into areas um, and so we we think that's important because that is what is going to protect areas that are existing now in our community that are built out that are uh, potentially prone to flooding it's still at risk from this irrespective of of whatever was in the package of uh, ordinances and regulations what I mean, what sort of the I mean, all these uh, you can boil down policy differences usually to to like kind of a slider on a continuum. How much are you willing to do this versus willing to do? Is this about a level of risk willing to be accepted, essentially, versus the impact? I mean, is the debate level of risk versus difficulty for development? Is that oversimplifying it? Uh, but what's kind of underpinning this this whole thing where people came out on different ends of this? You know, Jack, I want to be careful about articulating what I perceive as as yeah. folks that dif- disagree with us. What they per- uh, what my perceptions are about their their um, uh, their their thoughts on it. Um, you know, from our perspective, I will tell you, it was very much focused on how can we maintain growth in a safe way and responding 
to a changing weather environment and climate environment that is creating more more weather events that have more drainage needs. Well, I, I mean, I got my baby or water to say it doesn't require you to speculate. Is I mean, the chamber doesn't want to see places flooded out either, right? No, I we mean, do, I we mean, obviously, obviously do not. Obviously. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, but that's yeah. that's the crux of this whole discussion. Yeah, essentially. And and again, Jack, I think that's that's one of the things we see is most the most important part of the conversation about upstream mitigation. If we're really talking about preventing areas that are built now from uh, flood risk. It's those upstream mitigation opportunities that we continue to see as the biggest opportunity. Let's stay on the uh, on the water issue. We talked about this a little bit more. It, it sounds like some of the experts that were brought in by the city to start thinking ahead about the city's water supply uh, have suggested that maybe the best way to do this is going to be, instead of using the Platte, go down to the Missouri River, uh, essentially pipe in the water twice as far. Um, you're going to have a better supply, a supply that isn't uh, as prone to interruptions as it is on the Platte. Curious about your reaction to that. Yeah. Well, so I, and I want to, for clarity, just uh, share with your listeners that the chamber has been part of this uh, process. We have had the great pleasure of sitting in that room, and I, I just want to give the administration credit for launching it. This is a long, long-term, 25-year-plus uh, window. It will impact multiple generations of, of Lincolnites, and we do think it has been a very robust process. It's been very thorough, and it, it take, took a look at a lot of factors, cost being one of them, but also uh, what we call redundancy, getting water from multiple resources, um, shoot, even even the impact to um, agricultural needs that are pulling water out of our existing uh, aquifer for those purposes. And so it was, it was a very robust uh, process. We thought Olson did an excellent job leading the process. The chamber has not taken a position on the, the ultimate recommendations. That's going to be something we'll be taking up. Um, but it, it was a very inclusive process and we were, we were really pleased to see it happen that way. Yeah. Um, and, and, and by the way, just for the listener's sake, you know, obviously if that will probably be a, a more expensive solution, but the idea I think behind the people who recommended it is you've got, you're going to, like I said, it's going to be less prone to interruptions that you might have with issues, you know, with the Platte river. And then, you know, then there's questions about, right. How much more infrastructure needs to be created for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the infrastructure on these current pipes are like 1930s. Yeah. That it's amazing. Things. Yeah. So I, it's a century's worth of investment and it took a lot of foresight from uh, our, our city's leaders at the mm-hmm. time to make that kind of investment. I think we're at one of those um, fulcrum points now in our, our city's history where we've, we've got to make some, some really long-term decisions. I do want to point out on the, on the cost, it's deceptive because no matter what solution that was really a reality for this opportunity um, presented itself as, as the best one in the minds of the folks on that committee, it was going to be a big bill. This was always sure. going to be something we were going to have to pursue, um, hopefully some federal support, I think some state support on. Um, the chamber's already started that advocacy work uh, in advance of this coming out, knowing that we were going to have a big bill just to maintain uh, appropriate water security. Security and opportunity for growth in Lake. I wanted to ask you about some news that came out uh, right after the holidays uh, related to the Lincoln Airport and yeah. uh, some interest uh, from from a group in in building a cargo hub there. Uh, Burrell Group is is what it's called. Tell us a little bit about you know I guess for starters what this is and what that actually means. Uh, I know it's a significant investment, but what does that what does that mean is going to be there? What's that look like and what's the impact going yeah, to be? 
Yeah. So we were real pleased to see this happen, and this is a project that that we had been working on with uh, leadership from the airport authority, and really want to congratulate them on their leadership for this one. Burrell Group's a group out of, uh, I believe, based out of Colorado. Um, and right now they're in the process of putting up several hubs for air cargo logistics. They've, they've been in aviation for a while. I think the air cargo side of their business is comparatively new. Um, but they have already identified several opportunities that they felt like are executable at non-major metro hub airports and so to hear them uh you know share their analysis when you talk about the atlantis when you talk about the miamis when you talk about the chicago's where those major major air hubs are um as everyone knows who's ordering anything from amazon or any construction company that's tried to get their materials in to start building stuff it's a slower logistics system and part of that is because at those major metro hubs they've seen a, a marked slowdown in what they're able to get through in capacity they're just very full and so part of burrell's strategy is to expand into what have not been traditional uh large use logistics airports um in an understanding that they're going to be a little bit more nimble and be able to respond more quickly so lincoln's the, the beneficiary of that we won't see a whole lot take place right away um, they need to get a client on the hook first, and they're talking to, I think, logical clients like uh, air cargo carriers, like a UPS, like a FedEx. They're also talking to um, companies called 3PLs or third-party logistics firms that are maybe less household names that are, are doing contract uh, logistics services. Um, once we start seeing something built, and which we're very excited for, we're going to see something like 100,000 to 200,000 square feet under one large building go up what they call behind the fence. So right next to the tarmac, so planes are coming in and out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will. It is a new uh, business direction to move in for the Lincoln yeah. Airport. It's one that we've talked about on this show in terms of expanding what they're doing. And we also think it's going to present opportunities for the airport to partner with some of these companies and build things outside the fence in the airport yeah, that, area. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, like what that looks like, what what types of opportunities in, in a best case scenario does this bring up for the lincoln airport yeah i well in a best case scenario we're talking about over 100 maybe up to upwards of 200 250 new positions so from the economic development standpoint i think that's a great win um if those partners are um, say third-party logistics companies okay. that um, have partners that are also expanding out in this area. They may want to build a warehouse or build some sort of a uh, assembly facility near the Lincoln Airport so it can ship out on on I-80 or any of our highway infrastructure uh, directly from the airport. That would mm-hmm. that would result in sort of a cascading effect of economic growth. That may or may not happen. We may just end up with a, a, a new logistics asset that, that we can work with the Burrell Group and help market um, on, on the property there. And that presents all sorts of opportunity, even just for the stability of the Lincoln Airport. Provides them some more federal assistance, I think, that they would uh, now qualify for mm-hmm. as a result of that activity. So e- even if it's the comparatively smaller type of uh, project win, uh, it's going to be great for the community. If it's the bigger type, we're going to see a lot of jobs created. From Does this mean my two-day shipping would be one-day shipping since I live in Lincoln now? I, I would. <laughs> I will ask the Burrell Group next time I see him and see if I can guarantee that. That'd be good. Jack. It, is, it is interesting. It'd be it'd be interesting just to see how much this changes uh, or would change just the 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 daily 
in and out, you know, the amount of flights yep. just coming in and out. I mean, obviously you've got commercial passenger flights, you've got other flights now that are that are coming in and out, but just how much volume does this actually change with what's going on at the at the Lincoln Airport? So yep. a fascinating deal. It sounds like a sounds like an incredibly complex industry too, uh, as well. So uh, there you go. Uh, annual meeting is uh, coming up here in a little bit. What do you have? Uh, what do you have planned for this year? Oh yeah, so we're so excited. Our speaker is going to be Shola Richards. Um, he's a real inspiring guy. Uh, talks about um, making changes together and cultural change within your business. Um, in addition to just being a good program, which I think folks that have been to the Chamber's annual meeting in the past um, will know, we've also been doing all this strategic plan process mm-hmm. for the past few months. We are in a position now, we're excited to roll that out to the community. So that's going to be announced to the community and then will be some um, updates on that uh, later in the year as well. And so it's 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 the culmination of a lot of preparation this year for an annual meeting. It's going to be an important community discussion, and we just encourage people to plug into it. All right, there you go. Hey, a lot of, a lot of news there covered today, Jason. I appreciate it. We will uh, talk to you here down the road a little bit, all right? Thanks, Jack. Have a great day. Stay warm. There you go, Jason Ball. Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. We've got 33 degrees in the capital city right now. Caleb's got a check of sports coming up next on KLIN. Why do you listen to KLIN? Let us know with a voice message in the free KLIN You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, I've been continuing to follow the forecasts for tomorrow in preparation for keeping you updated on what to expect, how it will affect your day, and the like. Uh... And I'll tell you, I don't know that I feel more sure than I did when I came in here this morning, having looked at <laughs> all of those. Uh, I, I, I can give you a breakdown on what people are saying because I know I know what'll uh, what, what frequently happens in 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 my house and uh, my wife. Who, by the way, it's her birthday today. So happy birthday to to Megan! Today yeah. is her her birthday, but she will often kind of use me as, as the weatherman, you know, in, in the house, she'll say, Hey, she did this yesterday. What time's it supposed to start snowing tomorrow? What's the, what are the chances? How much are we going to get? What are the roads going to be like? And so I always, you know, I always, I try and be prepared no matter what for that. Um, and so I wanted to make sure I had the, the very latest today for when I call her later on this morning. So here's, um, here's what, the the meteorologists are saying national weather service put out a graphic this morning uh that lists four to six inches for lincoln but as we've talked about a couple of times on the show today there is within lancaster county there are ranges that are as little as two inches and as many as eight inches so (laughs) it, it sort of focuses right in the middle of that at four to six but it's got a very as as we call steep gradient with this whole thing uh so you've got that uh 10 11 uh they put out a map here just a little while ago and they have put lincoln and lancaster county almost the entirety of lancaster county in the two to four inch range so that would be a little bit less than what the national weather service is saying and then you go to what channel eight is saying right now and they've got the northern three quarters of lancaster county in two to five inches they've got the southeast corner at one to three inches so average all of that out 
uh, and it looks like we are getting somewhere between one and eight inches, I guess, um, with with sort of the center point being about four inches right now with this whole thing. So, uh, so we'll see uh, exactly. I, I, a, a big factor in this is going to be how soon the snow starts during. Uh huh the day tomorrow and is it is it going to change over from rain very quickly and how how much is that rain uh freezing rain wintry mix that happens uh around midday while it's still a little bit warmer tomorrow going to make the going difficult as well because you look at the hour by hour for tomorrow right now and it does i mean it basically has us uh right up getting to just below the freezing mark by three o'clock in the afternoon and so what does that mean in terms of rain versus snow um and and not super cold weather and the afternoon commute in the afternoon commute as well because the timing of this is going to be the precipitation is is going to be uh coming down uh according to forecast in some form in the morning hours tomorrow uh, in in the Lincoln and in the the listening area as well. Um, will it be rain? How quickly will it be snow? Uh, and then if it is snow, uh, how long is that going to last? Um, looks like that'll probably be over sometime during the the overnight hours mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But then you know the question is is there going to be the biggest impact of this thing on Thursday afternoon? Thursday, excuse me, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, or Thursday during the course of the day as well. So uh, those are those are the very latest numbers, and I wish I had better answers for the questions that my wife and others are asking right now about what this thing looks like i hate being the weatherman of the house like it like i i enjoy knowing what the weather is right and i i learn about it here mark vale keeps us very informed because uh thank god he jumps on so many of those national weather service uh like teleconferences but man like it'll it'll be i think it's going to be okay outside and my wife will say, all right, well, uh, do you think, is today supposed to be good? I'm like, I don't know. Let me look at my phone real quick. Right, exactly. And then, then she'll go for a walk and come home and be like, you told me it was going to be nice right. out. And I was like, I don't know what nice That's is, funny. okay? We're both treated as weather experts at our home and probably probably I definitely shouldn't, shouldn't be. be. <laughs> um, but I, I did see that Rusty said uh, that that he doesn't expect, he's going to do a, another run on this later today. He doesn't expect it to change that significantly. So you're right. You know, in, in the middle of that, I I typically have a rule of thumb, and this does not always stand true, but for those who are wondering about potential change schedules because of school cancellation, my very loose rule of thumb is that if you get above three to four inches on a day, the next day is is typically canceled. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions right. that are out there, but that's sort of a real rough rule of thumb, and that's sort of the exact sort of range that's right at the midpoint of what's being projected right now. And so it, it could go either way on that whole thing. Too. I am curious how 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 the roads are going to be handled for this. How much pretreatment are they thinking, um, especially if you're staying above freezing and you don't want stuff to just get washed away with some of the precipitation. And then by the time you do start to get actual snow coming down and that that, that accumulation begins – how like when do you start clearing the roads yeah like do you start seeing okay well there's an inch down let's start let's get the plows out let's start clearing or is it waiting a couple of inches so that you're not going over kind of the same things over and over like where where is that policy going to be and how is it going to be enacted 
over the next couple of days. Yeah, um, and, and and again, just getting even more, little more info for you on on the timing of this. Um, the the National Weather Service now puts the likelihood of precipitation going over fifty percent at six a.m. right when our show starts tomorrow, oh, and good. so that's when you're more likely than not to have some precipitation. The, the weird thing, Caleb, is that given what the temperatures are going to be in the overnight hours, this probably, there's there's a decent potential that this goes snow, freezing rain, snow. So it's a winter sandwich, yeah. essentially, of of precipitation as well. And and so where you get the, the freezing rain kind of in the midday, a little snow in the overnight, early morning hours, and then a little more snow in the afternoon and evening hours. And I'm totaling up the numbers that they've got on this, 2.8, uh, 3.4, so... Yeah, they're they're talking about right three to four inch again, right in that iffy spot for everything is is what they're talking about. And they've got the uh, chances dropping under 50 percent at midnight. So six, eight to midnight, roughly type type time frame for this entire thing. And they do. They have actually also uh, sort of increased some of the uh, uh, the the wind gusts. It's still nothing like we saw a few weeks ago when it was really bad. But uh-huh. uh, gusts around thirty miles an hour that'll go along with this thing. But with temperatures in the thirties for the most part, you're only talking about wind chills at you know maybe twenty twenty yeah. twenty five. Not near as bad uh, as a few weeks ago. That. So <laughs> so that's uh, that's where you're at right now with everything. And of course tomorrow morning we will. Uh, We'll be ready with the very latest on this whole thing, and uh, however, uh, probably won't have a ton of impact on on the morning commute. But if it does, we'll be we'll be uh, letting you know and and hearing from you too mm-hmm. on what the conditions are. Probably Thursday morning on the show, maybe the for bigger sure. the bigger challenge for for that whole thing. Well, so. and then you talk about where things are, especially with the with our with our local programming, obviously. Uh, LNK today, but tomorrow there's no drive time Lincoln on Wednesday either uh, because of Nebraska men's basketball starting that pregame at five o'clock. Um, so and Doug Fitzgerald's in for this whole week, so you won't be able to hear from him at that time what's going on weather wise. Maybe, maybe the Huskers radio network, maybe KP is going to be like, hey, it, it's it's not great out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, and I don't expect this to have any impact on. Uh, on Nebraska's home games, we've got tickets to to PBA tomorrow night. Provided you can get out there, okay. yeah, get there, be safe. Too bad. Uh, you, it will still be going. And and the thing is, it, it's it's kind of too bad because a big home game Nebraska basketball really needs. Um, you still don't have you still don't have the students back in class right now, and so that kind of impacts the atmosphere there. I think a little bit and a, a, a team that's going to need the the crowd behind them uh, uh-huh. in a win that that it'd be it'd be really nice to get to kind of keep keep the optimism going here for the season that we had a couple of weeks ago with that but we did learn yesterday unfortunately that Fred Hoiberg indicated that the Jawan Gary absence at least is I mean he wasn't real specific with it but it didn't sound great Caleb no and he just said he's going to be out for some time um Real quick before those injuries, you talk about how how much this team could feed off of the crowd. There, I was at the the women's game this last weekend, and that bottom the lower bowl maybe fifty percent. Like if we're really stretching it, probably under fifty percent full. When the crowd wants to, that place is raucous with less than fifty percent full mm. in that lower bowl. So when you start talking some of the men's games where you open up the three hundred level and you definitely can have better than fifty, sixty, seventy percent of capacity in there. Those guys definitely play better when the crowd is really getting into it. So you hope that it's not 
the weather or think last week where all of a sudden like it was an eight o'clock tip and it's yes. just it's it's hard to get people there on some of these weeknights and so I'm hoping the weather does not impact the crowd um, to the point that it, it's looking like one of the uh, um, oh when they played Queens in there <laughs> right uh, for the battle at the vault uh, but yeah on the on the injury front sounds like Sam Greasel should be good to go they're gonna practice again today at noon see where he's at with that hip flexor They've gotta have him They're like yeah. you have to like, if you they, don't they, have Gary um, but then yeah without Jawan Gary and we watched that shoulder injury we we were at that Illinois game and saw him go over like he reached his arm up for a pass. And then just immediately grabbed his arm and walked to the sideline, mm-hmm. and you could. Just, and it was an ar- a shoulder that was already wrapped. Yeah, it was already wrapped. So it was it was one of those that um, I don't know exactly what the injury is, but like I've had shoulder issues before as a pitcher, and I was a thrower in track and field with javelin. I know what it's like to have something where you're like, man, I, like I'm kind of good, and then you move it in just the wrong way, and you're like, no, that was absolutely yeah. not good. So you, you could see it on on it with his body language. You could see the pain that he was in going to the sideline, um, and then to not have him or Sam against Purdue last Friday, it was like, all right, well, there's your chances of winning got cut dramatically, and um, it, you got to have at least one of those guys just for what just for what they do, especially on the rebounding side of things. And Nebraska has not been a strong rebounding yeah. team historically, not not in the Big Ten for sure. And so you got to have a couple of your better rebounders out there, someone who can be out there and handle the ball at times. We know Sam can handle the ball, but Jawan would handle the ball for him too. And when you're missing both of those guys, you get into a weird rotation. It's tough. It's tough on your offense, and your offense is already struggling. Yeah, when uh, in, in Nebraska over the years has ju- they just haven't had some of those big bodies that Juwan Gary has, big athletic bodies that can really mix it up against teams in the conference that that have a bunch of those guys. And he was kind of a finally a, a unicorn in that way uh, that that he had been providing that for Nebraska. And so you're exactly right. The biggest thing. That when when Nebraska has done well this year, one of the biggest changes this year is exactly that: is they've gotten they've gotten uh, success on the boards mm-hmm. um, and and pulled down you know out jump teams, out hustle teams for rebounds. Uh, and Gary has been a huge part of that, a huge part of that. And you know we even saw in his last full game against Minnesota on the offensive end and and with some some big putbacks there. And so how do you replace that? I you know I don't. I don't know that you do particularly. There's not yeah. somebody on the roster where you're like, yeah, that's the same. I mean, Greasel's got to be. Greasel's done some of that too. He maybe needs to to be more involved in in that way. But the other the other at the same time too, it sounds like Blaze Cada also may be uh, still questionable with that with that ankle sprain issue that he's dealing with as well. So. So yeah, it's it's not a great situation. It's a little bit reminiscent, frankly. Um, there's some differences, but Tim Miles last year. Uh, when they were going into the conference season, they had beaten Creighton. They went into the conference season with with momentum, um, some expectations about what that team could do. Mm-hmm. And then Isaac Copeland hurt his knee, um, and that that really impacted what the rest of that season looked like. Still went out, go, went on a little bit of a run at the end of the year, uh, but that was really significant at the end of of that year. And that's kind of it's a little bit like what this Juwan Gary situation feels like as well. Copeland was done for the year. I don't know if I mean I can't really read between the lines on what Fred Hoiberg's saying on that. Um, he just says it's going to be a while. I mean, so. you're ha- you're halfway through the year. Yeah. So so when you say something's going to be a while, right? All right. You you've only got the what eleven games left? 
something like that. Sounds about right. Uh, for the regular season. So right. so you're trying to figure out where are you even going to, what what games are you going to miss? Because yeah. you're, you're to play two a week, sometimes almost three over seven days. That's tough because you start adding up some of those games and go, would that have been a win if Jawan Gary was playing? Yeah. Um, and could could that have, have changed things? You look at even earlier in the year, would a couple of those losses been tighter or possible wins if Derek Walker had played? Yeah. Like now now you're just but, like like it's really tough that you get into that that injury bug or guys not not being available. Yeah. But, you know, nobody's going to nobody in the Big 10 is going to be feeling sorry for no, somebody no. that's got injury issues cuz everybody everybody's got something like that here and um Nebraska's going to have to figure out a way. They're going to they're going to have to figure out a way to to get some wins here, even yeah. without Juwan Gary, if they want to still be talking about mm-hmm. the postseason a month from right now. Well, we don't feel bad for the the Iowa players that had been out sick or injured yeah. and and were trying to come back against Nebraska. Yep. Nebraska ultimately gets the win there. Yep. That's just the it, it's it's the way it goes. I know it. Like in retrospect, it's like, well, what's going to be the difference between you're on the NCAA tournament bubble, possible NIT, or no postseason? And sometimes it's just having guys healthy at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, and then the the women uh, go to Purdue um, on on Wednesday night as well. So it's same same time. That's a road game, obviously. Man, they are uh, missing though, Allison and, Widener. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's, it's man, hard out there at times. It's uh, boy, it's it, it, it. They have shown they, it's really been an interesting team because you've got Caleb and they had Widener obviously for like that game against Maryland when they just went into Maryland and just blew them out. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other times they've looked really good this season, but then you've got, you know, you get into some of the offensive struggles. You're not hitting the threes like you were against Rutgers mm-hmm. and, and Ohio state's obviously an unbeaten team. And so, uh, they're, they're having a great season, but again, um, uh, just the early game sort of offensive droughts with them, it, when the, especially when they're not hitting threes or you're not getting Jazz Shelley scoring the ball, I mean, man, she was and finished two for twelve. Yeah, it or was something like that. Yeah. So it was. It, if she's not hitting, it, kind of the the whole off. If they're not hitting threes for sure, they're definitely not shooting the ball. Uh, they're they're definitely not going to score very much because this team is so dependent on the three pointer. We we talk a little bit about the what's what's gone on in basketball especially over the last decade or so and you think the analytics side of the game what you would expect the Fred Hoiberg where you're like no mid-range well there's a lot of times where you're watching and unless it's Sam Hybe suddenly trying to pull up for something you saw a lot of it with Allison Widener a little bit of mid-range every now and then Ani Stewart will try to turn around it's layups and threes mm-hmm. and if you're you're not hitting threes and you're not hitting your layups at a hundred percent clip because they're still shooting about fifty percent. It's bizarre how many times they'll get in there and just just miss a bunny, miss something wide open. Um, the, the, you have to be very reliant on the three point shot, and it hasn't been consistent enough for them. When they are hitting it, boom, they can play with anyone in the league. Yep, but they're just not hitting it at a high enough clip. Yep. And you're right. Uh, Widener is missed, and and you knew she would be, but yeah, yeah she's she's definitely missed. Um, and by the way, uh, four weeks from Friday, baseball season gets started here on KLI. It's coming up. It, it uh, won't be too. I I didn't even realize this, but uh, it I feel like it's exactly uh, one month. Yeah, I feel like that seventeenth the day that 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 starts is sort of an unofficial beginning of spring because that's also the Munch Madness selection show day. Oh wow. What a day. That's going to be a so busy Friday, one. <laughs> 4 weeks from Friday 
is your, yes, your Munch Madness Selection Day and the debut of the baseball season. <laughs> I'm calling that the unofficial beginning of spring. Absolutely. In, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Even though the be. baseball team's going to be in San Diego. Uh, <laughs> yes, you know. Not here. But, but what typically what typically seems to happen is they'll be on a, a road trip to Arizona or California or Texas or something, and it'll be one of those weeks where it's 60 degrees here. Then they'll try and come back here and play in March. And then it's snowing. And it's 37 <laughs> and wind out of the north at 20 miles an hour. So. Yeah, I like that. I like that as the, the, the start of spring is when you get baseball and Munch Madness. February 17th. And speaking of, uh, well, we'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take a break now, um, and we're going to tell you how we're going to ring a little bit more of that, hopefully, that that pre-spring feeling in coming up on this Friday. We'll take a break. Safe at 4. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, just got a traffic note that uh, well may impact my commute, may impact yours here a little bit later uh, this morning or right now. Uh, Chris Lofgren handed me an injury accident at 56th and O. Uh, don't have any more details on, on which lanes or directions that it's impacting, but uh, 56th and O is an area you may just want to avoid in general right now as a late report of an injury accident there. Uh, all right. So a couple of things to uh, look ahead to right now. Of course, uh, tomorrow on the show, it's What Chaps Ride Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have John Bishop, who is uh, joining us as well. And then, of course, we'll be covering any of the weather-related information, uh, conditions, if if they're here and if they're coming. Um, if that is impacting the morning commute at all, we will be on top of that for you. So don't forget to take us with you wherever you are going Tomorrow, uh, Thursday, we'll have Gerlink team, Greg Sharp, ticket Thursday, and and then we get Friday, and uh, Friday is going to be another request line Friday, and we were talking already how we are declaring the unofficial beginning to spring here on KLIN February 17th. That does mean we still have four weeks and change as it stands right now to our unofficial beginning of spring, and so we are asking you on Friday with four weeks left as you go through that home stretch what are those songs? What are those songs that help you get through the winter? And and maybe you're a, maybe you're a winter lover. Maybe you don't like winter so much. Uh, everybody's eligible for this. W- whatever that it is, uh, the song that that helps get you through this time of year or feels right this time of year. Um, this always we did something like this last year. Always it brought up an interesting variety of the way that people <laughs> interpreted it, and so I'm sure that will also be the case tomorrow. And the way that you do that to be involved in uh, request line Friday is text in the song that you'd like to hear to Rick Stein Recognition text line at four zero two four seven nine. 1400 let us know the name of the song that you'd like to hear and let us know uh maybe if you want to why you'd like to hear it and then friday gets here and we uh intersperse little music throughout your regular morning show so, we've already got a couple requests too do we so. are people going beachy are they going like a summer feel are they going like uh the winter depressing feel what are we where are we at going so a little far? summer all right a little summer on it that's fine if we do that that'll get me That'll get me in the mood. So, anyway, uh, that is uh, where we stand for the next few days today. So, we look forward to. You want a yacht rock winter, don't you? Yeah, I'd be all right. (laughs) I'm fine with that. All right, so uh, right now we're uh, up a couple of degrees here. We are at 35 degrees in the Brad capital Fox city. Brad Foxhall literally texts in Yacht Rock as I say that. All right. <laughs> I like what you got, got my mind, same place that Brad's is, as usual. All right, we will see you tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. 